Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Runs Well podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today, we're speaking with fitness guru. Joe Holder. Tell us all about him, Ben. Well, I like the guru status. Is, good, it? Yeah. yeah. So Joe is a global Nike trainer, as sort of amongst many other things. But I first met him, uh, sort of fact-checked, re, uh, whatever, correction. I say in the chat with him, I met him in 2017 and start talking about the launch of a Nike shoe. It's 2015. Oh, so wow. if any sneakerheads listening, they'll be like, what? That shoe didn't come out in 2017. This guy's full of rubbish. <laughs> so it's 2015 I first met him. Um... Yeah, so Joe's like a global trainer for Nike, and that's kind of like probably where people have like touched upon what he does from that global scale. But he's just he's just like he's he's very good at sharing information about well-being and questions a lot of stuff, and wants people to basically think about what they're doing from a movement point of view, from right. a health point of view, how to best look after themselves, how to be better people. That's kind of his overarching like message yeah. like life plan whatever he wants to put out so it was really great he was in he was in london for something I, I think he came over for a wedding actually oh lovely lovely uh so it was nice to sort of grab a chance to sit down with him and have a chat about kind of like what he does why he does it all those sorts of things and obviously running because he's a big runner yeah and he fits it into his life when he's not training for something specifically but then now he's, now he's training for copenhagen half and chicago i think Ooh, he says lovely. so some lots of running chat as well. Excellent. As well, well that's, as, that's you good know, for us, isn't it? Overarching, be better. Okay. Yeah. So much to look forward to. So much. Hey, look, I've got a bit of science for you. Love it. Um, the three best paces for your speed work. Good practical stuff, this. Good practical Okay, tip. go. Go on then. Um, so here's what you want to go for. You want, you, want, you want to be doing one mile pace, that, and that's, you want to be running 200s at that speed. So okay. 200 meter repeats at a sort of mile pace. Then, then How many repeats? Um, this... Maybe not as many as you think. Okay. So this is this is a sort of second part of this. Is that it's about staying in touch with these faster speeds. You'll get ninety eight percent of the benefit you might gain from any more precise and physiologically determined paces. So actually, just keeping in touch with these things. You don't you don't have to go mad. Gotcha. So it's not sort of like I've got to do twenty times two hundred. No, nothing wrong with that if you want if you no. want to. But you actually might be, to, might be able to do like you know half that number. And get most of the benefit, but, but but keep it very precise in terms of that mile pace. Mile pace, so pretty punchy, two hundred meter sort of time flat. Okay, then five k pace, run that's your eight hundreds for five k pace. Okay, yeah. Um, again, we don't. If you want, if you want to do four of those, that's fine. If you want to do eight of those, that's that's great. But you know, keeping in touch with the speed. So I right. So 
this is you've got to do as many reps as you can keeping the speed consistent i think that's probably generally good advice is that you want to try and get quality reps out rather than like got if you're clinging on to a rep so the moment it starts to fade just quit just stop it i think that's i think that sounds i think that's probably sound advice is that if if you start falling off the, the pace then actually you might be better off cutting the session there and mm. then getting fitter yeah and trying to hit those yeah, yeah okay more i like this time. and then the final one is 10k pace and you want to run that sort of like 1600 so almost like miles of, of that pace um again up to you how many you want to do if you're feeling very adventurous you might want to do five but you might want to do two or three five mile repeats at yeah, 10k five. pace that'd be quite hard maybe pretty hard yeah, yeah. it's a sort of classic <laughs> 10k training program that isn't it but yeah, um, yeah but yeah i think just keeping in touch with those paces is gonna it's gonna get you a long way and maybe it's a sort of simple way of thinking about speed work in terms of I, I want to be hitting those three paces at some point during my training program. Nice. I like that. I might do that. Hey, there you go. Uh, how's your running? Running's gone all right. I was in a, I was in a beefer. Um, of course you not, was. Not on a running Watch retreat. Out. Oh. <laughs> it was, uh, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's probably got a similar landscape to somewhere like Mallorca, so it's quite hilly. Yeah. And I've discovered a few trails there. Um, so I was out, I was probably around about four times in seven days it wasn't too bad that's some good holiday running it's pretty good holiday running um always in the evening children in bed um but it was great mate yeah it was like very very rugged no one was really there yeah yeah some lovely views so yeah, yeah it's, it's all building to this um to the 10 miler in on the 15th of october the cabbage, pa- cabbage patch uh i think i think it is actually going to be a real slog to break the hour do but, you but i'm still gonna but i'm gonna oh i know you'll try i'm gonna give it a go and i think i'm, I'm not gonna be a million miles away but i think i'm starting to think when i actually work out what it means it's, it's like it's kind of like 18 i think it's like 1830 pace is sort of for 5k yeah yeah so it's, like, it's putting together like three of those and then another kilometer um I couldn't. I couldn't do that tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be that close. I, I, I could certainly run that for five k, but I'm just starting to think that I'm, I'm running out. I'm running out of road a little bit oh. with it. But um, but it's still. But I'm. I've got fitter, and let's see what I can do. Basically, I think you're underestimating that race day power. Yeah, I don't know. I just secret. It's a secret locker. Yeah, it gets opened up. You're always a bit better. It's like than a you second think. stomach when it's like pudding. <laughs> it's like a pudding stomach. It's like a race day stomach. Just suddenly you just get there and you go, oh, hold on, hang on. I've got a vest and some gels. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> My shorts are short. I can go. Yeah, yeah. But that is, yeah, I do agree with that. I just, um, I think I'm maybe pushing that theory to the to the absolute limit. absolute limit. Yeah. All right, good. Um, you've got your ultra coming up. I'm calling it an ultra. Oh, that's ridiculous. I have a a race that's ever so slightly over the length of a marathon. Yeah, yeah, I have. I'm having a mild panic though because it's three weeks, less than three weeks away, and I did a classic like got an, a little niggle. Yeah, as I was great on a on a run, and an Achilles one. Which yeah, is, they're yeah. notoriously fun to get. Yeah, so I've got a slight Achilles thing, but as I was, you know, I, I just asked all of my runners' well colleagues because we're essentially doctors, <laughs> and uh, we're not. Um, but they all just said, "Can you hop on it?" So I hopped on my foot. Didn't hurt. So it's proven that. It shouldn't. You're, it's not, you're, it's you're fine. Fine then. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. Apparently, I'm yeah. fine. I mean, it hurts to touch it, but I can hop on a leg, so it's fine. I think that you're gonna be. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna have to do quite an an extreme taper. <laughs> it's gonna be now until the race day yeah. taper, and then see what happens. Yeah. 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 I'll be fine. But apart from that, running's been going good. Great. So, you know. Oh, good. I'll be fine. Well, looking forward to to more daring do in the in the weeks ahead. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> can he hop for longer <laughs> find out next week I hop twice this week yeah yeah stay oh tuned. my goodness stay right, tuned yeah. alright let's, let's we get um, Joe Holder on then yeah let's talk to our guest of the week guest of the week here in the studio guest of the 
Dudes on the phone Could be an athlete Could be a physio Part complete unknown Joe Holder, welcome to the Runners World Podcast. Man, thanks for having me, man. Been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think we first met 2017. Yeah. In, in New York. It was the launch of the, I'm going to get it, Luna Epic do you remember that, was that a good shoe? shoe? That was an underrated shoe. I actually liked that shoe a with lot. The, with the kind of mid uh-huh. collar on it. Yeah, and it was fire. Yeah, it was good, wasn't yeah, it? it? was a good time. 45 grand, man, at RIP. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a cool project. Um, Let's talk about running. Let's go. I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it right now. I'm training. Because this is, of all the things, you're a busy guy, of all the things that you do and the training that you focus on and all that sort of stuff, running is is a constant, right? Like, it's something that you lean on heavily whenever you need to, like, recalibrate or train for something specific so what is it about running yeah i mean i have a uh i have a love hate love relationship with running i mean basically i I, you know i was a three-sport athlete growing up football basketball track track was the first sport uh my dad was my first coach i was a junior olympian out of you know south orange new jersey so i always had an affinity for running but uh you know being highly competitive growing up so you know everybody knows sometimes that wears on you But when I dealt with football injuries in college, uh, one of the first times I came back, I played at Penn. So Penn, you know, we had a good team for Ivy League team, have some buddies in the American Football League. uh, But as you know, Penn Relays is a big event there. So the track is just, you know, has a lore. But I remember after I had uh, hurt my ankle and I had missed a year, I, I had to, I finally started running again. And I stepped out on the track and I did a walk run, you know, for the first time in a very long time. And from that moment on, I said I would never take running for granted. And I just fell in love with it again from there. And, you know, the ability now in my adult life with the work that I'm doing, uh, it kind of acts as a, as a guidepost and a stone. So whether it's just recreationally traveling to, traveling to different cities, being able to see it on my feet, go and explore, just, you know, just got a great run in this morning at Hyde Park or uh, for something that adds as a as a kind of framework for my training um, and, you know, seeing different cities through races and things like that and being able to apply, you know, a lot of the theories and stuff that I've learned over the years to see how it impacts me, um, you know, especially with everything else that I do. So, yeah, running is uh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Like, I was wondering if you had the sense of of like joy from it, because you are an athlete who used to train and you still train like you're a very prescribed guy like what you do is kind of for a benefit and and a whole sort of scale of what you're up to and we always talk about the joy of running and just going for a run and whether or not it's like not part of a training plan and it's kind of just there for your 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 well-being is that still something that you you go into yeah i mean how i look at life you know i call it the sport of life is um you know I think some, some uh, a lot of people take it running too seriously, especially in America. Other people take it not seriously enough. Um, you know, I'm always a fan of, you know, Kipchoge's kind of view on it. If you're making America a little bit of a more of a running country, people find joy in it. And it's funny you bring it up because I was thinking about it the other day. I was out in the Cotswolds for a wedding and, you know, it, I just sat in a, in a garden by my hotel, that my hotel, if you want to call it that, you know, the inns that are out there. And the sun was out, feet in the grass type of thing. And, you know, everybody now has, you know, had their morning routine. And I, and I just thought, you know, everybody's become so dehumanized. They, they just check it off the list, whether it's, you know, getting morning sun or whether it's going for a run. They want to be able to say, oh, that I did it. So I'm, I must be a better human for it instead of actually enjoying the thing that they're doing. Yeah. And if we're constantly just looking towards that next thing or one, wanting to overanalyze the run and the splits and, the, you know, the recovery scores and all that, like 
sometimes it might remove us from who we are. And I don't want that. Like I, I you know, I did that. My whole childhood was calibrated against tr- trying to be the best, whether that was in school, whether I was in sport. And now as an adult, it's like being able to do it on my own terms and getting better, like hold myself accountable, but still finding, I, you know, I'm still finding a joy in it for sure. And I think that's a key part of, of, of adulthood is like finding the joy in our movement, our bodies and, and not wanting to like beat up the flesh from this very, you know, Western <laughs> Puritan thought process. Yeah. I think that people, people really lean into like the social media, the Stravas, the data and all that sort of side of it. And I think that as you as you say, like proofing, proving yourself, like it kind of, they want to put out this thing. I did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. And it's sort of like, what, your reasonings aren't like healthy anymore. Yeah. You're kind of, you're leaning into this, like I've got to show others that I'm doing something. Whereas it's like, no, 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 you need to bring this back to why you're doing it. Yeah. And push yourself. Like, all right. So there's a Greek word called the, uh, there's a really good random book. It's called hyperemployment. And within it, it's, it's like an art book, but within it, they talk about essentially, and they're prescient about this, about like how wearables essentially were creating free labor. And a lot of our data that we're providing is just free labor for these companies to essentially make money, which is fine because they also still give us a service. But the concept of like, it's a Greek concept of pharmacon where something is both kind of the cure and the poison and everything that's happening with these apps and, and, and that type of thing. But also on the other end of it, it's why not push yourself to see what you can do? And if you want to document it for sure, but still remember that there is a there's a worth I think in um, in pushing to be your best, yeah. and if we're able to do that through through running and through training, I think it could show you how far that you could actually go. But you know, don't do it just to tell a story. Everybody just tells stories now, right? And what happens, right? You're training for a race to tell a story, trying to be accountable or whatever. And, and a lot of people just don't hit their goals, but they come up with another story to make it sound good. Yeah. Like my thing is, is like. Hold yourself accountable, have fun doing it, and be real with what you did or didn't, and then just seek to continue to improve, you know? And that's what sports taught me early. It's like, you either did or you didn't. That doesn't mean you're a failure, but in in sports, you you can't play the game. Like, you either got it, you either won, or you didn't. So, you know, that's how I look at it. It's, you know, I'm going to hold myself accountable, really push myself, but as recreational runners, too, I think we could be honest that there's a bigger window for our goals yeah. and yeah, have fun. And you're training now, you said. For yeah. Races. You know, yeah. I, I call it like training camp. I'm training for Copenhagen half, uh, Chicago full, probably get a couple other races in there. And I really just want to push it. Like, I just want to tr- try a typical kind of training styles. Very, you know, like, uh, Zatopec type energy, you know, and just, I, I just look at it like people who back in the day, even like whatever captain, Barclays in the 1900s where he just did the walking and the long like the long walking mixed with sprints type of thing and looking back on you know the origins of fartlek training and even before that it's like I just want to have fun testing atypical strategies with this and I think I think that's just kind of what's missing in the game like everybody's kind of too regimented instead of exploring the edges there's a um there's a good book you should read it's called the easy interval method yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy um a dutch well uh, dutch champion former dutch champion called klaus look ah i gotta his, check it and his whole his whole thing is that every run should have intervals in it but they're not you're not talking threshold mm-hmm. you're talking like you know 80 percent or whatever it is and it's from 200s all through to like 2k mm. and you can structure it around being like six 1k repeats with some 400s in there and sort of all this sort of stuff yeah but, yeah, yeah. but the premise being that you can do it the next day so you're not shaking the intervals and that's not your big session of the week and you're you know you've got to rest hard after it's, it's kind of like and it's just building that aerobic base but like fluctuating the 
Yeah, I was like undulating a little bit, but is it, that thought process that you allude to is basically, uh, especially for somebody like me, right? Like I was a repeated sprint athlete. I played football. I was a I was a bigger guy. Like I probably had higher high twitch. It's like you don't want to totally just throw away your ability to utilize those higher twitch muscle fibers and still stay fast. And with the interval work too, as what you're talking about, it's like. I call that like medium intensity, steady state intervals. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the, one of the workouts that I've been doing is like 10 minutes at uh, a little bit below LT, to a small break, then go seven minutes, small break, five minutes, repeat that times two. And you still feel fresh after the workout. You like bookend it with like 20 minutes of lower intensity based work. And yeah, stuff like that, that I think is just missing. Like everybody, you know, everybody knows they should do their base runs or the recovery runs or their long runs, maybe throwing some hills. And, you know, there's all the debates about the different types of interval work and stuff like that. But you know, some things sound crazy before they're eventually proven right. And, at the, you know, at the end of the day, for most of us, we're just, you know, at least for me, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm trying to experiment in real time. And and that's and I, I find that fun. Like, that's what gets me going is like human experimentation in real time. You do a lot of that outside of running as well, don't you? Like food and supplements and, yeah. and how you approach just making yourself as healthy as possible. Yeah. How did you get into that like mindscape of like, right, I need to, you know make sure that i'm you know getting x hundred milligrams of this every single day why is that important to me and then researching it uh i mean i've always been a curious guy i mean with my you know with my work uh whether that was starting you know the ocho system in college whether that was my work with nike and dealing with runners whether that's consulting work whatever i also just like american history and this is a little bit of a tangent but i was <laughs> i was essentially reading this book called uh the Poisoner in Chief, which is about Sidney Gottlieb and the CIA in post post World War Two. This all makes sense in a second. <laughs> but like post World War Two, like they really got into psychedelics and seeing how that would impact the human mind. Got it. But what was super crazy about it, like the only silver lining from this book, because what the stuff they were doing was wild, was they just took such meticulous notes about everything they were doing. And I was just, I you know, somebody that's on the road a lot or doing a lot of different things. You know, sometimes they could fall by the wayside, but the best kind of personal human experimentation is on your body. Like you wake up every day and it's crazy stuff is happening immediately, right? It's like, you know, melatonin is being reduced. Your cortisol is now increasing. If you get a light in your eye, it goes into a central clock, but your body also has peripheral clocks. You now know when to wake up. You pick up something. You have essentially pressure pads in your fingers that let you know subconsciously about how much pressure to actually hold that thing. You're able to, you know, you start to move your body. You start to, you, you know, certain things that you start to eat that have the impact that not just you know what you eat the timing of what you eat your body's in a constant state of discovery right or, or it's just has an innate knowledge that it knows what to do but if you spend more time discovering that it's like how can you change that for best results and that's with behaviors you know it's like the three the biggest drugs to me are exercise uh meal timing and sleep and then i want to think about how do i regulate those rhythms the most and then what are the things that i'm doing that will have the biggest biggest benefit, not because for the sake of productivity or being at work better, but I just think everybody deserves kind of to feel good. And uh, I don't know, for me, it, I, I just find it genuinely exciting. It's like stumbling upon an old, a, a study that people just haven't really paid attention to and being able to implement that into my life and seeing the benefits, understanding supplements, understanding food, understanding lifestyle practices, then looking that on a bigger level for whatever more public health based work. Um, yeah, like there's such a lack of wellness education, I think. And everybody studies so many other things, but you know, 
the base level is about how to improve the human body and how that can improve public health. Like, that's just my lifelong mission. I think there's a huge, yeah, as you say, like, people will go and invest a whole lot of time and effort and money into running and learning how to run in a certain way. But are they understanding the biometrics? Are they standing the sort of, like, the, the physiological and the, the, all the sort of elements of like what can tie into running and make it better for you in terms of, oh, do you know what I'm burning... I know people people get it with like carbs obviously I need like fuel and this is how it's going to work but like the nervous system like how to best treat it and make it sort of so you're not putting that under so much duress and all these sorts of things so I think it's like fascinating that you know oh to have some magnesium like sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah it's like simple stuff it's like you know one of my favorite studies was they put it was either five or ten, ten 10k runners on a uh, like low inflammation promoting diet it was basically a Mediterranean diet and they saw their timing improve like that's crazy like what you eat like is it can be a performance in answer and you know people over the years have looked at you know now people understand beet juice and that's impact on blood and nitric oxide people understand whatever watermelon and citrulline and that is a potent possible a vasodilator but then going to the source material and even you know seeing different things is like after you run for harder efforts your gut becomes essentially uh, more you know leaky for lack of a better term it's just you know the permeability of the gut increases which changes the manner in which toxins kind of go through your digestive system so you should probably be a little more careful about what you eat after runs and certain things like that or the timing of the runs or you know the ability for you know recovery certain recovery modalities you know Hutchinson and his you know he covers a lot of it with his column about you know everybody used to be cold now everybody utilization of heat yeah. and the stuff and how that can you know improve performance but I don't know it's just fun it's just fun to me and you know I was able to apply a lot of that methodology to the clients that I've, I've worked with and uh, especially in a lay population and seeing their running improve but yeah, self-experimentation, I, you know, it just gets me going. Yeah, right. I think, but that's, uh, lots of people just don't think about it, right? You get, like, told, have your carbs, have your protein, yeah. crack on. But, like, why would you not think about that? Not not even just for running, but for, like, life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... Eat that, don't eat that. Like, make the decision based <laughs> on, like, an informed plate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. 
because that's something you do every day. I know everybody talks about working out, but like you're eating every day multiple times. Why would you not take into account that at a foundational chemistry level, that's the building box for your body. So understanding for you personally what works, what doesn't work, and simple things like this, right? It's like I, I recently, because I, you know, I also have a, I write a column for GQ. I recently interviewed a, uh, a doctor, uh, Sachin Panda, that he does a lot on circadian rhythms. And we were talking, and one of the things I was talking to him about was essentially why do people overlook the real, relative impact that really the most important thing that you're trying to do to your body is improve its rhythms, right? Because let's take, for example, running or working out. If working out was just generally healthy, health-promoting, let's say, it wouldn't matter what time you worked out, right? Or would it, or would it matter what time you ate if just food was blanket healthy? But depending upon the time you work out, the time that you eat, the time that you get f- fucking light exposure, whatever, the timing, it could actually have a negative impact, and something so simple that just as simple as that is that specific timing of certain external cues can totally push off the uh, push off the train or improve the train of your internal rhythms. And everybody wants all these overly complicated thought processes, which is which is wild to me. But there's just kind of like the I call it the cult of health, health and wellness right now. It's that I, I need this to do this way or it won't be successful or I got to follow this person or this person i just think we get back to the basics but we need to improve the overall culture of it being important in our life and you know it's 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 sad to see i really do believe that everybody should feel good or better yeah but let's talk about exercise snacks yeah let's do it that one is because that's from research yes because that's a good one yeah thank you um i gotta get back heavy into that (laughs) well give us give us give us the overview what is exercise snacks yeah exercise snacks uh so in 2013 maybe 14 out of college i i was working for this company called healthware i actually worked in food that's a whole other discussion but you know i was still always in the research because i studied sociology with the concentration of health and medicine in college and concentrated in psychology and marketing so i was always just fascinated by application of research for uh purposes and there's a study where they looked at diabetic patients mm-hmm. and or pre-diabetic patients and they looked at what happened if you broke up your workouts into essentially snacks instead of one long period if they had, uh, I believe it was a either 15 or 20 minute session at the start and then the end of the day, mm-hmm. would that have different outcomes than one long continuous session? So essentially, how does the body, uh, how does the body respond to intermittent exercise, exercise snacking? And they saw that it was it improved health, health outcomes a little bit better, specifically health outcomes. It's a little bit different than fitness, although some later research has shown that. So I was always intrigued by why is everybody always talking about exercise for fitness and performance and not just health? And can that help the general population? So it's in my back of my head. But you got to remember, as you know, in New York, you, you, you came, is that this was at the peak of the intense exercise revolution. Like if you weren't in a group class getting your butt kicked, nothing mattered. Like people didn't want to, people weren't ready to hear about, hey guys, how about you just exercise twice a day for 15 minutes? Like what? Like I, I want my berries. I want my soul cycle i want i want to be crossfit like this was at the peak of the craze in new york so i was like all right let me just you know focus elsewhere for now but in uh i had written a column about it introducing it maybe in 2018 or 19 but then when covid happened the pandemic happened everything shut down and uh but my client naomi campbell still wanted to train 
So I was like, all right, you know, we were just, I would just train her online ever, yeah, through Zoom every day. And then one day out of nowhere, she just goes, we should go on Instagram live. And I'm like, what? (laughs) She's like, yeah, like we should, we should do our workout sessions on Instagram live. And I was like, all right. I did not suggest it at all. And then every day for months, we just did a daily workout session. And this and this is where then I made exercise snacks go live, which is just showing people like, look, here are the simple routines. Here's the research behind it. Let's make movement a movement. Let's really just do the base so your health improves. And then from there, you can go on your fitness and performance journey. And, you know, it's a philosophy literally that just wants to make movement a movement. I think the, and help create a preventative healthcare ecosystem. Cause that really is what it is, is like these small foundational movements will go a very long way. And it, it won't be overwhelming for a lot of people that I think have been overlooked. And the research continues to come out and show it. It just, you know, a recent uh, a recent study was just released about how four minutes of essentially rushing during your day for people that don't work out. They called it a vigorous, intermittent uh, lifestyle physical activities called VILPA. And they saw for for some uh, 30 seconds to a minute, but a sweet spot of about four minutes. It, it reduced certain incidences of cancer of, of 10 plus cancers by, about, you know, 20 plus percent. And in frail adults, they've seen the ability for two sessions a day of five minutes to improve, uh, to reduce the likelihood of falls, which for a lot of people as they get older is a leading cause of death. And, and they, you know, and it continues to add up. So my thing really is, is like, how can we set up these communities or this these thought processes that help people literally just small bouts of movement a day? Um, it doesn't even always have to be formalized. And I do think it could help be a start of a, of a little bit of preventative healthcare ecosystem um, in the United States and the world, which is definitely the long-term goal. Do you think this is a direct reflection of actually the worrying state that broader health across the globe is kind of in like the fact is that there's a there's a degree of guys we've got to get people moving Mm -hmm. like there's that's not really like a thing anymore like is that a worry uh it's a good question i do think it is but i also look at it as a you know and this is a whole debate with like the drugs right the obesity drugs and stuff it's like yes we need to get people moving but then people also need to eat better, do this, do that. Are people willing to do that? And, and my question is, is that I think it is important because everything comes back to energy, right? It's not just your energy expenditure. It's then the energy that you take in. And then can your body better essentially metabolize that energy? And I think movement is one of those potent drugs that help you do that. And I think we also need to get people moving so they have a better understanding of their body and, and health consciousness in general. But on the other end of it, movement has always been presented as a magic bullet, which it is not the case. It's just part of the overall prescription. But individuals have to take responsibility while at the same time we do have to be uh, aware of the societal structures that may uh, create barriers to entry. But at the end of the day, I call it like it is. is If you're middle class, lower middle class and above and you're not taking care of your health, why not? There's no look yourself in a mirror. And unless you have a debilitating health condition, it's on you now. There are a lot of excuses for people who are, who are lower class or, or have socioeconomic conditions that make it very difficult. But until the culture kind of trickles down and people who have the means and the time 
unless they start to really take care of themselves, it, it we won't have any positive changes. And I really do think the revolution begins with the middle class. And I'm just tired of people always having an excuse when you have no excuse. Like you've been born in a, if you've been, if you're a middle class in a Western country, mm. you've been born into basically the gateway to heaven. Yeah. Like you're in purgatory. You just got to make the decision to step up. Like you weren't born into hell. Like some people cannot get out of their situations. Yeah. And this thought process where people just put it to the side or they say, oh, it doesn't matter. Da, da, da. It does matter because there's essentially an invisible tax that we all have to pay for, whether that's in a shorter life or increased taxes or the increased strain on literally our societies. It's like, come on, step up. And I think like running is one of the is one of the easiest ways to do that. Walk, runs, whatever. Go for a walk, brisk walk. Um, so, yeah, it's like, how do we how do we how do we how do we onboard people into a better human condition where they actually care? Let's talk about the old man running club. Yeah, yeah, OMRC. Shout out. Um, because, you know, you're not an old guy. No, let's get this. Let's get, because, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm in my 40s now. Yeah, so yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm slowly in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, this things hurt more now. Yeah. Like, that's it. But, um, what, what, you know, why the old man running club? Why, why the name? Why the, why the, what's the strategy? I mean, you know, running, running clubs in New York are like a thing. Like they're oh, huge. Yeah, same here. Yeah, 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 so yeah. many of them. And, you know, the two that I run with are Old Man Run Club and uh, Brooklyn Track Club. And, you know, OMRC was this joke that, uh, you know, one of my friends, Eugene, uh, and Eugene Tong and Dao Yi, uh, Chow and um, and Rio kind of came up with and ran with it but like in the beginning when I was training them for marathons through Nike work uh, we just always had this like old man run club joke because it was just like something always hurt on all of them and including me you know I have old football injuries so it's just kind of leaning into that energy which is like you know past there's always a joke once you start to get into your later 20s early 30s which at the end of the day isn't even old it's like oh everything starts to fall apart yeah. no for sure <laughs> so I it's just tongue-in-cheek yeah, yeah, yeah but it's fun um let's talk about your training yeah. and what you do in a sort of with the clients and you've got some very famous clients you mentioned naomi campbell and and you work a lot with um this victoria's secrets models yeah yeah so that, i mean that was kind of like i like to say i'm on kind of my next album um <laughs> Like 2000, 2013 and 2019 or even 20, probably before COVID hit, it was like, I was that guy. Like, I was training everybody. I was, you know, the, the Victoria's Secret models definitely got me juice. I was training, you know, Bella Hadid, Romy Street, uh, you know, Georgia Fowler, Sarah Sampaio, Sadie Newman, Megan Williams, like all the big ones, basically. Yeah. You know, Naomi Campbell was one of my clients. Um still is when she's in new york you know i was trying to virgil r.i.p uh ricardo tishi matthew williams heron preston it was just everyone um and a lot of that you know got me where i am today but you know i like to say i can't be you know as an athlete as you start to get older it's like of course a younger crop comes in but you also have new goals it's like it, it's like the, the Kobe that wore 24 is totally different than the Kobe that wore eight and you know that's what i like to say i'm kind of like transitioning a little bit where it's I have a little bit more of a bigger public health mission and I still do the training and keep a book of clients and of course do the, the Nike work and event based work. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm starting to explore a little bit personal goals a little bit more and really trying to, you, you know, trying to work on my, a few of my next concepts that help spread the message of health and wellness to more of a public lens. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, 
I've definitely released a few good albums, but you know, probably working on the fourth one. Right? I like to say right now is a little bit, a little bit harder. But um, yeah, to your point, it's like training camp right now. I'm, you know, I'm working on my own training. I'm trying to feel good. I'm focusing around runs. Uh, I was, I was early to the recovery game. Nobody's really talking about that. Uh, you know, or back in the day when I first started, now everybody is and and quantified self type energy. Um, so right now, what I'm really intrigued with with my running, and I, you know, I've brought on a, a partner for this, Splendid Spoon, and some others, is is really about uh, relative energy deficiency, and the thought process that. Uh, and the Olympics have been doing a lot of research on this, and it's going to be talked about more. It's basically people aren't eating enough. You know, people, and is there a way to see, especially if you need to ma- also maintain weight, is there, how do you, how do you approach food as you're training from a nourishing standpoint and understanding what you're putting into your body that will both improve your performance and make you feel good? Because unfortunately right now, especially for women and also men, it's that a lot of people are, are, are hiding kind of uh, highly sensitive eating styles that border on disorders behind the fact that they can say that they're training. Or on the other side of it, people just aren't taking to account what you put into your body after you run will have a will have an impact you know a lot of people especially runners like to drink and gorge after they're done running which has a time and a place but when we're looking at to improve both health fitness and performance um yeah i'm I'm really trying to augment and start to record within my training uh the the different ways to eat and the impact that they have on the body body for be- for best results and trying to go fast so after i you know do the half marathon that's that's you know copenhagen's coming up september 17th then there's chicago but then i want to go back down it's like i want to run a fast mile like i want to run f- sub 430 type mile so my goal basically is, is like hit this half marathon go whatever sub 125 go sub three on the sh- uh, at chicago and then work back down um to then go sub 430 on a mile because what everybody's talking about now was I already did that. Like everybody, have you heard this like hybrid athlete trend that everybody's kind of talking about, which is funny to me. Cause I'm like, that's just being an athlete. It's like, you should be a little bit strong. You still should be able to run. It's just free package. Yeah. Cause everybody's trying to sell something. So my thing was like, you know, no offense, but like I already been on that now. What I'm more intrigued in is like, not necessarily a hybrid athlete, but I haven't come up with a term for it yet, but it's like, how quickly can you transition when you introduce new stimuli and can you make your, let's, let's, whatever, let's call it like the adaptable athlete. It's like, all right, did the marathon now, how quickly can I go to being a fast miler or how quickly can I go to getting stronger doing that type of thing? And, and, and basically being able to adapt the body very quickly through lifestyle and training practices is like, that's what I'm focused on through the end of the year. How would you do that then? Because in my head, immediately I go, right, you're going, you're talking endurance and all this sort of like level of stuff and then you're going to go very much down into sort of like high end like just output for a mile so you're going to think like is it going to be because you're going to have such a good aerobic fitness from all the running you're going to go gym just get power is that like yeah I mean uh, you mean for the mile for the mile yeah yeah so basically the thought process for the mile is is like yeah since I have such a good aerobic base that should mean what that should mean one my weight will be down and that should also mean uh, that my recovery should be good I should recover quicker then for the mile you do two things right it's like take a small break after the marathon and then you get strong again so you gotta lift weights and even if it's one two sets get used to just max but heavy heavy yeah yeah then from there really what you there's two things right it's like do heavy 
and then in the beginning you do eccentric loading which basically means you go it doesn't have to be heavy but you go slower on the way down which will do two things it'll help improve structural integrity it actually will help improve flexibility if you do it right and then from there you then start to introduce uh, more power based work and plyometric based work um, and that will likely improve running economy and some force production based stuff and then for the running training like that is that's just patience and pain that's just 200 meter repeats yeah that's like hard fours 200 meter repeats eights still have the base there but that one is really where you just got to be like i got i'm just gonna fall in love with the pain here but yeah it'll be a fun journey because for me i I don't like to thin up too much i like to still keep some aesthetics (laughs) you know gotta look good for the photos but uh we'll see but you have more but that's i mean you know not necessarily something that you've gone out to do, but you get more involved in like campaigns for like yeah, and like doing modeling stuff yeah, and all those yeah. sorts of things. It's so funny, I mean, yeah. I've been in, I've been in Nike campaigns. I've been in Calvin Klein campaigns. I've been in J Crew stuff. Um, yeah. So the ability to pho- photograph is is is, is important. Um, yeah, I like to say I'm just like fashion adjacent. Like I've, I've been very blessed to be in campaigns. It's crazy to me thinking back on it. Which you know, I'm not even assigned to a modeling agency or anything like that. But yeah, sometimes I do have shoots, so sometimes it is important for for me to still keep a little bit of weight on. But um, yeah, it's funny how it works out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my past ten years or eight years, eight to ten years have been crazy, and uh, I'm excited to keep building and developing. But a lot of it is just you know continued expansion I think in a thought leadership and event based work and seeing how far this can go and you've got like the, the on Netflix as well there's like that sort of stuff as yeah well. so Nike uh, what I think Nike is doing is very smart I mean basically it's like they're uh, look at it as distribution deals right is that can you go through the Netflix route the Strava route different type of thing so you know for the Nike training clubs I'm also you know a Nike global trainer um, yeah the workouts are available on Netflix especially workouts for runners is specifically for them which is cool and it's cool to see people getting involved and being able to spread spread that message and you know Nike investing and meeting people where they are as they start to continue to put out uh, more new work um, but yeah I've had, I did that I had the master class all these things so it's like I got I've had blue chip cosigns very early in my career. Now it's, you know, sometimes I wake up, you know, wake up in a hotel room and you know, think about it. It's like, yo, you, you really got to continue to figure out what you're going to do next. And and it's a gift. But, you know, I, I don't want to be. Uh, it's hard as in if you look at an artist or an athlete, it's very hard actually to have a long career. Yeah. yeah. And it's very similar to this right now. So I'm just continuously trying to figure out, you know. Again, like the, the the proverbial next step forward, what that looks like, but also how can I help? How can I help more people um, and continue to stay relevant? I guess. And like what you put your name to too, you must get offers of like yeah. stuff just pops up like, oh, come and do this with us, and yeah. da da da. And you got to be like, well, what's that bringing? Yeah, uh, you know, there's the two most important words you learn are yes and no, and then on on what I have the what I have the privilege now on is I could say yes to fewer things, no to more. But then when the ideas do come in, a lot of it is like me being responsible for the creative now it's, it's, or me being able to go out and pitch and getting in sign ons. Um, so it's like I get to control the narrative a bit more, but uh, so definitely a little bit more pressure and you have to be more concerted with the effort. And now I've taken the mindset now of, you know, being a little bit quieter and more methodical. And, you know, when I choose to speak or release something, there's a purpose to it. And 
that's just a different way of working. And, uh, you know, I like to say I'm just trying to build my sovereign state because as you've seen, as you know, it's like the proliferation of everything um, has happened so fast. You know, five years ago, six years ago, it was really just about getting stuff out. Now it's how do you really build your sovereign state? It's like what is Joe Holder's version of runner's world? What's that consolidated information where then people can then utilize that for best results? So that's what I'm focused on figuring out. Well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sheesh. Um, I don't think there's much more to talk. I mean, we, we could, this is one of them ones that could go on yeah, exponentially yeah, 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 forever yeah, yeah. and ever and ever. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm always fascinated about the training side of stuff and you're very good at sharing on social of like when you discover a study that you think yeah, is fascinating yeah. and stuff. So if anyone wants to, engage and look at your story where where's the best places for people yeah yeah uh yeah come peep it uh, at joe holder uh also exercise snacks.world or joeholder.us uh yeah pull up i mean the training stuff is, is fascinating you know i've been super intrigued by like high intensity aerobic intervals right now so that's making the blunt of a lot of my uh the brunt of a lot of my training right now and uh yeah just just gonna keep pushing and, and see how far all this takes me Nice. Joe, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Joe Holder, and to you, of course, for listening. Thank you again for subscribing. Oh, what? You don't subscribe? Well, (laughs) guess what? Now you can. Just click subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast, and that means you won't miss a single episode, which is the best thing you can do. You can also just Google Runners World UK uh, podcast, and you'll find it, and then you can subscribe. Just subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. (laughs) 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> Subscribe to the magazine. S- just do that too. Subscribe. Thanks again. You'll hear from us next week. Bye-bye.